1: For the first time ever, the WFMY Cats cast play in preview edition. I guess play in, playoff. It's not regular season. So, whatever it is, it's not regular season. I'm your host, Josh Bloha, with Seth Wanamaker. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And as, like always, as usual, this podcast is on brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. 24 hours, almost exactly. So, we're about 24 and a half hours out from. A winner, go home game for the Cavs. I guess since it's at home, it'd be winner lose. It's not really going home, but you know what I mean. So the Cavs win, they're on to the playoffs. They lose, and the season's over. They have the Hawks tomorrow night. This podcast is basically just going to be talking, previewing the Hawks game. Just one game, win or the season's over. And I mean, there's plenty to talk about, even with the struggling Cavs team. So we're here to talk about it, I guess. We're going to talk about it a lot. We're not going to look ahead. At least we're trying, trying to try not to. And, yeah, we're just going to talk Friday night. Cats okay, Hawks. Seth, how are you doing? And um, how are you feeling about tomorrow night? I'll start off with that.
2: Yeah, doing great. Biggest game of the year, no doubt about it. Biggest podcast of the year. If you're listening to this podcast, this is the biggest podcast of this year until the Cavaliers win – and then we'll you in the first round. Oh, so, far. Okay, okay, okay. So, far. Yeah, so
1: far, so far, so far, so
2: <laughs> far. Yeah, um, and, and we're going to get into all this, but we got some encouraging news today on both fronts, on both from an Atlanta health side as well as a Cavalier health perspective. So I am so excited. You and I are both planning to be downtown for the game. It's going to be absolutely electric, so I feel like I'm I'm so excited in, in, on both fronts, just from like a pure fan perspective, and then also just – like to be around people it's going to be like the most social thing i've done in a long time to be around all these cleveland fans man so i'm jacked up i cannot wait to break this game down and like tomorrow i hope no one from my work is listening i'm gonna get like two two and a half hours of good work done anything past like 11 30 it's all about the cavaliers
1: i like that i hope i hope you go into work tomorrow and everyone's like dun 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 uh no and speaking of so the as if in case you've been living behind or under a rock the last week or so tomorrow night Cavs hawks at rocket mortgage field house 7 30 tip off and then across the gate it's not really across the street it's across the gateway you have uh in the air guardians home opener against the giants 710 first pitch i think so yeah downtown cleveland's gonna be racking um Shout out to the Uber drivers at like 10 p.m. tomorrow night because they're going to be making some, making some good money. And hopefully, I'll gladly take a Cavs win and a Guardians loss. But if the Cleveland team's going to go two and zero tomorrow night, I think it's to be one heck of a start to the weekend.
2: I like that. I like that. If we have to do the split, we'll do the split. Give us, give us the Cavaliers at home. We can give away one for the Guardians. But ideally. 2 and 0. And yeah, man, it's I got like a smile on my face cuz I'm I'm so excited thinking about being in the arena and the you know, the Cavaliers home court advantage has been real this year. The fans have been incredible. They've come out in waves. It's already been so good on like a random Tuesday night against the Kings. I can't even begin to think about what's going to ha- be happening in that arena. In just about twenty four hours, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy, and man, I just I can't wait to hear Ahmad Rashad's voice over the the loudspeaker. Place is going to go nuts, and man, I, I don't even know where to start because I'm just giddy at this point.
1: Cleveland, yeah, I'm. I I I don't have tickets. I know you have tickets. I don't have tickets yet. I think I'm going to get some because I don't know. It's just I'd rather spend money on this game than the first round of the playoffs because one it's a winner go home it's literally all or nothing and secondly i mean the heat yeah it might be a favorable matchup if the Cavs do win this plane but let's be honest i don't think the Cavs are gonna beat the heat in seven games so this is the best chance to not only be in a playoff atmosphere but also to see a win and just I don't, like you said i can't wait i'm more looking forward to like the pregame stuff as much as the game as I don't know, the game itself to be awesome, but I just can't wait to be downtown. I'm 99.9% sure I'm going to be downtown. And I'm, I know you already have tickets. And by the way, if anyone is listening, hit us up on Twitter or I guess it'd only be Twitter unless you join our discord. Um, Yeah. We'd love to meet you. Me and Seth haven't met yet, so we'll likely meet tomorrow and let's just, so hopefully tomorrow night's a night of celebration and i'm so not used to being at a Cavs game when it's nice out because it's been like three four years now that i currently do not have a calves t-shirt that fits me so i'm either gonna wear a hoodie in 60 degree weather or something non taz but yeah I'm, I'm probably just gonna wear a hoodie i'm just not used to winning calves basketball in late april or in, in mid-april it's just so weird to me and i just like you said i'm I'm all in. I mean, we're tw- 24 hours and 19 minutes out and I cannot wait for tip off tomorrow night.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's been since 2018. The last time we got a, a good taste of, of playoff basketball and like we've, we've suffered through some severe lows the past couple of years where the Cavs were winning 20 games after 20 games, after 20 games, I think three years consecutively they were they were within that range. And so, it's just just so exciting to see some of that pain kind of, you know, be worth it. And yeah, it's just going to be an electric atmosphere. What I was thinking about for, um, you you know, in terms of tomorrow, and I think this is as critical a question as any before we get into the basketball stuff, Josh, what's your number one like spot to go to for food slash drink? If you're hitting the Cavaliers uh, game, where's your like your go to spot that you
1: hit? Food is always most important. For a big guy like me, it's always, I mean, it it could be the Super Bowl. Food's always number one, number one thought, number one priority. Uh, But I don't, I'm trying to think. I haven't really been downtown because we were talking pregame. My brother lives in Tremont. So usually we're hanging out at his house or we go out to eat somewhere in Tremont and then catch an Uber ride to the queue or to Rocket Mortgage, which it's now called. So like, I don't really go downtown and hang out there. Prior to the game, I do after. I know two, three weeks ago, we went to a game. and went to Flannery's after. Um, But, yeah, a go-to spot downtown, I honestly don't really have one because I don't really go downtown for pregame, unfortunately. How about you?
2: Yeah, Flannery's, like, never disappoints. Um, I used to always hit the, the Mexican spot on the corner. I think it was called Zocanos, but they have since closed down, which is a huge bummer. Um, but you butcher and the brewer is always a good spot. You, you know, get some good appetizers there. So yeah, usually I'm I'm walking over to Butcher or Flannery's for a quick drink if I'm if I'm uh, you know going to the Cavs game. But to your point, love of my love of Tremont is unmatched. Like if I can hit Tremont first, I'm a hundred percent going to Tremont one thousand times out of a thousand. But yeah, had to get had to get like the dinner and
1: drinks conversation out real quick before we hit the
2: the hardcore hoops here.
1: Speaking of Tremont, the, when we went. When I went to the Cavs game a few weeks ago, shoot, it was a barbecue place in Tremont. It was the, shoot, I'll think of the name of it. It was the basement of Crust, which, by the way, Crust is Crust Pizza. Superb. I'd say it's the top top three for me. I'd go uh, Ohio Pie in Brunswick. Medina Grand, I'm a Medina Grand, and it's a Medina Grand that owns it. Best pizza around. That's my number one spot. Frankie's in North Olmsted's probably my number two spot for pizza, but Crest is by far number three. But yeah, the, going back, it's a barbecue place, and they had splendid barbecue. I love my barbecue, and it was really good, like burn ends and brisket. And For some reason, I'm thinking it was prior, priority. No. I don't know. If you're familiar with Tremont, you would know it, but my go-to spot pregame-wise would either be pizza or barbecue by far. But I guess – enough about food because now i'm freaking hungry and even though i just ate dinner let's preview this matchup um first and foremost we got the news earlier jared allen is a game time decision which i guess is better than being doubtful or even question i guess he's still questionable rather than being doubtful or out shams uh posted that he will what he wants to play obviously who wouldn't want to play in this game but that he's going to go through pregame stuff and just determine if he can play or not. And then shortly after that, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said that Jared Allen is 50, 50. He still has, which he still has plenty er, severe pain in his non shooting middle finger, which he broke almost six weeks ago. I think it was almost six, five and a half. I think it's six weeks on Sunday. It's either five weeks. I think it's six weeks on Sunday, which is beyond. We were talking about this prior to the podcast, I remember when it first happened, everyone was like, Well, hopefully he doesn't need surgery because then he's gonna be out five to seven weeks. Well, we're at five and a half weeks, no surgery, and he's feeling severe pain still. I don't I think Jared Allen's the type of player where he's gonna go out and I both him and the team won't wanna risk, risk anything long term. But I don't know, I just think it's crazy that he's still having severe pain this long after. I don't know. I just hope he can play if him at 80% would be a huge boost for the Cavs, whether it's shot blocking or rim protector or catching alley-oops and Darius Garland, but before he, uh, Jared Allen. So we have Jared Allen on the Cavs, and then we have, um, I, th- is it Bobin Bogdanovich? I always get the Atlanta Hawks Bobin and the Utah Jazz's Bogdan. Isn't it Bogdan and Bogdan? Yeah
2: yeah i i believe don't quote me but i believe it's bogdan bogdanovich i believe
1: (laughs) so the hawks are without your shooting guard also without john collins who's been out for quite a while now he's their starting power forward and then they're also without um lou williams who's seems like he's been out all season so they're without three key guys i mean it's easy to use excuses as or it's easy to use injuries as an excuse for the Cavs. Like we have all season because it's they're real and they've had horrible injury luck. But I mean the Hawks are without two starters too. So now it's just it's literally a one game playoff. Hopefully you're hot shooting. Hopefully Atlanta's not. Injuries are no longer an excuse. You go out there and you just do whatever you have to do to win. I mean, I know for weeks now we've been saying, uh, what was the hashtag that I've been using? Whatever no, not whatever it takes. That's the Cavs. Whatever it is. I don't care how ugly it is just find a way to get a w hopefully jared allen's in there if not hopefully moses brown can lock up clint capella because Low- lowry Markinen's going to have a tough time if he has to be on clint capella all game yeah but yeah let's just preview this matchup what what are your, some of your first takeaways i've been talking too much so what are your some of your first takeaways from this matchup Seth?
2: yeah huge huge impact on bogdanovich being <laughs> technically he's ruled questionable per Atlanta, but there's some stories around that people would be surprised if he plays because he had a pretty bad sprain just really just last night. Uh, typically those take, you know, a couple of days at least to, to feel better. So uh, that's a huge swing. I mean, he's a 15 points per game score. Um, the Cavs don't really have a guy quite like him on their side, just in terms of his, you know, efficiency shooting the ball. He's an incredible shooter, um, so that's huge. That that gave me a lot of optimism, the fact that he might be out. And I say that coming off the heels of a Brooklyn game where the Cavaliers wings just completely let them down. Like I, I won't live in the past for too long, but you know, in terms of what Lowry and Osman and Okoro and Lavert did, uh, just absolute goose egg in, in terms of what they provided in the Brooklyn game combined those four, Lowry, Osmond, Acoro, and lavert combined to shoot 27%, 9 of 33 from the field. And if those four guys you know, produce that same kind of result tomorrow night against Atlanta, I, I think it's safe to say the Cavaliers are going to lose. They, they need at least two of those four um, to put together a solid game. Um, Matchup-wise, and, and this is something we could probably talk about a lot, but it just sticks out so much. You know, If Jared Allen's able to give it a go, that takes so much pressure off of Mobley and who Mobley may need to guard. So if Allen can play at 85 percent of of what he could what he can, um, he can swallow some of those Capella minutes, and then that frees up Mobley to, to potentially guard a, you, you know a Gallin- Gallinero. Um, hopefully, I'm saying his name right. Dan- uh, Dano is what I call him from the old Gallinari. Gallinari, Ar- Gag- Gagin- Gagin- Ar- Ar- I
1: completely Ar- Ar- forgot Jeez. he's on the Hawks. Holy cow!
2: I, I apologize. that's that's a huge brain dump on my end. But Gallinari, and I think the big thing about Mobley having the ability to to guard him is Mobley's quick enough to get out on the three-point line to challenge him, but Gallinari is so limited physically that Mobley can no doubt float and help Allen at the rim. So, man, if that was one thing I wrote down I wanted to talk about today is if Allen can play and eat up some of those Capella minutes. Capella's a banger. He's tough, physical, but if Allen can give – can give some of those minutes to Capella and allow Mobley to more so float. I think that's how the Cavs have a big advantage in this game, if if they can have Mobley, um, like I said, p- almost play like that free safety, you know, help help on the rim. And that's what the Hawks killed Charlotte with last night was like the roller, but then the next guy would come right after. And then it's like, man, if, if Mobley could help out on that, that would be huge. So that's one thing I circled. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of how you – How do you see kind of the matchup impact if Allen can play and if he can't play?
1: You made a great point. Um, Jared Allen playing, we all know how good of a rim protector he is. I'd say he's a top five defender in the NBA. Uh, Evan Evan Mobley and Jared Allen both. Jared Allen being in there not only gives the Cavs a legitimate rim protector and a guy that can get rebounds and make things tough for Clint Capella, but it also allows Lowry Markinen. Well, I, I'll first say Evan Mobley, it all, uh, it allows him to be, like, the free safety type, like you said. But also, trickling down, it also allows Lowie Markkinen to not have to guard the team's big or the opposing team's big like he has been the past four or five weeks now. And that not only – I mean, people say, like, Lowry Markkinen, he's overrated. He wasn't brought on to Cavs to be a five guy. He was not brought on to be the guy that has to guard the opposing team's better center whether it's Clint Capella, Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic, anyone so Jared Allen being in there with a trickle-down effect it allows Evan Mobley to be the free safety kind of type that where he flourishes and then it allows Lowry to be a much better both defensively but then since he won't have to guard the opposing team center it also allows him to ease a little bit of the effort that he has been on on the defensive end of the fort and use it offensively. So I think Jared Allen, if fingers crossed, if he can play, it will not only help defensively for obvious reasons, but it'll also open up things offensively because it'll allow the Cavs to go back to the game that they had two months ago when the Tower City, I guess you'd call them the three bigs, worked step and step and it was three seven footers and not two seven footers without Jared Allen or even one seven footer without Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. it will just do even, like I said, even Jared Allen at 80% would be a huge boost for this team, not only on the court, but just like the boost of confidence that I think this team really, really needs.
2: Yeah. The way that Bickerstaff deployed, you know, guys without, Allen uh, against the Nets, you know, the other night was he really didn't play Moses Brown at all. Didn't really trust him, So he ended up, you know, playing Mobley and Lowry were, you know, really the two big guys. And it's just asking Lowry to do so much. I mean, one second he's guarding Kevin Durant, the next second he's like helping on Drummond. And yeah, I think if we can get Lowry out of that spot, allow him to be the shooter, the Cavs need him to be, um, use the majority of his energy on offense is great. In um, the the Hawks specifically, without Bogdanovich and Collins, I think the Hawks have one or two guys they really have to play. That may be great defensive matchups for Lowry. So yeah, getting Lowry out of that that key position where he's outmatched either both ways, <laughs> speed wise or or physically, and having Allen and Mobley back would just be so big. But yeah, that maybe I'm overvaluing it or overrating it. But seeing Bogdanovich being out, you know, really. Is impactful to me. And, you know, the Hawks have one thing the Cavs don't. And I think that's just kind of a bevy of really capable wings that can score. You know, whether it's Herder or Hunter or, or Gallinari can shoot. Um Bogdanovich, I mean, those are four guys that I would take on the Cavs tomorrow in a heartbeat because they can score, um, they can they can shoot, they can space the floor, um, and having one of those guys out just, you know, to me, it, it means they're going to have to play someone else that um, they don't have as much confidence in. So, yeah, I'm feeling great about the matchups. The one thing that I wanted to get your opinion on, too, is I don't know if you had a chance to watch the full game last night against the Hawks in Charlotte, at least early on. It looked like, well, specifically one call, um, Trey Young kind of did a push-off and they called an offensive foul on him against Razier, which was beautiful. Um, and then uh, later on, he got hit a couple more times lightly and the refs didn't call it. And So I wonder if that's a thing to come playoff-wise, play-in-wise, playoff-wise. or was Don't that- get your hopes up.
1: <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you, but don't get your hopes up. Keep going.
2: I was, well, I made a joke on Twitter that they should fly those refs to Cleveland tomorrow because that's what I needed out of the matchup for the refs tomorrow is to not call that BS. Um, But secondly, yeah, I'm just interested because the way the NBA season went, they started off really well. And that's why the Cavs had so much success, or some of the success um, was because they were letting guys play. And like the physical style that the Cavs played really matched up well to the Cavs. Sw- I'm sorry, to the referees swallowing the whistle a little bit. But as the season progressed, month over month, you saw the fouls continue to uptick. And so last night's game kind of caught me off guard with. I think there was a very big difference between how Trey was officiated last night versus some of the end of the season stuff. So very curious if we're going to see like a little bit of swallowing the whistle because it's the play in playoffs or was that an anomaly with three refs and that's going to have no, you know, no correlation to what we're going to see tomorrow. I'm just going to be watching that like a hawk because Trey can go from zero free throws to 12 in two minutes.
1: I know we were talking about on Discord earlier, or but before we go on. Actually, Bug Dinovich, I just went on ESPN. He's listed as day to day, so I'm not going to take that out report too far right now. I, I don't want to. I'll never wish an injury on someone, and I'll. So I'm not. I don't want to say like I hope he's out, but it would be a huge, it would be a huge relief for the Cavs if the Hawks are without Bug because, like you said, they have so many guys besides Trey that can just get to the basket and shoot threes and score. Um. But back to Trey and fouls. We were talking about in Discord earlier. Trey is a guy that I would love to have on my team just because he does a great job of uh, impersonating himself as the villain. I know we saw it in Madison Square Garden either last year or the year before. People love to hate on Trey. It, it's crazy. And he, like, takes it all in and then just dominates most of the time. Um, but, yeah, he's like a James Harden. I will never compare him to James Harden because I can't stand James Harden. I really can't. He used to be one of a great guy to watch play basketball, but now he just searches for fouls and does nothing else. Um, but like Trey, he gets fouled. I guess it's more of a referee problem than a Trey Young problem because the referees are allowing him to do it. But like if he gets touched with like a pinky, he's a fall down or flat. I guess you'd call it a flap. And it's how you get called. It's just I don't know. I hope it doesn't have. I hope the referees don't do that tomorrow night i hope it's like last night like you said in charlotte where they weren't doing that but then again i mean we've been talking all year all year about how the cat how the Cavs do not get a home whistle so i would not be surprised if trey young gets a lot of easy free throws tomorrow night just i hope this game doesn't come down to trey young shooting like 15 to 20 free throws making 80 percent of them 90 percent of them whatever his shooter he is i think he's closer to 90 percent. And that's how the game was decided to so I want it to be a basketball game, not a free throw contest. And I hope the referees, I mean, like, who knows? Maybe now that it's playoffs, you know, it's a play in, maybe they swallow the whistle and they don't call that little stuff against Trey or again, I guess it'd be against the Cavs on Trey. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I hope if he goes off for 40 points, I hope 35 of them, are actual legitimate points and not 10 to 15 from free throws which i obviously do not want him to go off for 40 points but i just want i i want it to be a good game and not be like well what would have happened if the referees didn't call a thousand fouls on the Cavs? and i mean we've been saying this too trey young gets a lot of veteran all-star foul calls and Darius garland doesn't get jack shit excuse my language but it's just crazy that imagine if Darius Garland got the fouls that Trey Young got and he would be probably a first team all NBA guy cuz that'd be like five to 10 more points a game to be honest.
2: And it's one of the reasons why I like Garland so much is cuz he carries himself in a way where he's not going to do like the flopping thing and maybe it's maybe it'd be smart for him to get more of that in his game but like you know as a as a fan of his and the Cavs I, I love the fact that he kind of plays straight up. Um, and it's almost like an art form, what, you know, Trey and at times like Luca and Harden have done, which is create, you know, the acting skills and they, they make it so hard for the officials. And I, I would, I would love to like hit a, hit a official or two with some true serum and see what they think about those guys. Like, does it tick them off after the game when they see that they call the foul on a, on a BS play or, or not? So yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Unfortunately, that may be a key indicator of the game. Um, you know, one of the things that is going to be really interesting to watch you and I talked about it before is, you know, Isaac Okoro has had an up and down year this year, I think to say the least. Um, he started off the year really struggling with the shot. Then he found a little bit and he was starting to hit more shots. Then he had a very brief stint of going cold, I believe. And then, you know, for, I would say for probably about a month kind of late in the season here he was shooting the lights out of the ball. He was shooting like 45 plus percent. Um if memory serves March was an incredible year, I'm sorry, an incredible month for him and just as it came it's like it all went away and now he, you know, he's really struggling to score. Um last game he only played 13 minutes. He was 0 from 3. I think all all three of his shots were those corner threes only played 13 minutes, you're starting two guard and Okoro played so well earlier in the year against guys like Kyrie Irving and Trey Young. We had incredible defensive performances. It- I, I probably shouldn't say this because I don't know every single thing that he's doing from a scheme perspective defensively but we we can see with our own eyes like he doesn't have those steal numbers he doesn't have those like shooting our block numbers and man Josh I I've just been having a hard time with Okoro the past you know couple weeks because he he's not scoring the basketball he's not, it doesn't appear to me like he's playing game-changing defense like he was earlier in the season. And so I think, I mean, as evidenced by 13 minutes last game, I think it's just tough to play him right now if he's not scoring. And man, I I don't know who the Cavs throw at Trey Young. My first thought would be Okoro, but if they're not going to play him, I'm very curious to see what the strategy is going to be against Trey. And I don't know, do you have any thoughts about where Okoro's at right now and what you expect uh, of him in terms of playing time tomorrow?
1: I know we talked about this prior to the podcast too. If if Okoro isn't doing anything defensively, as in letting Kyrie be a perfect like ten for ten or nine for nine, whatever he was in the first half in Brooklyn on um, Tuesday night, there's no point in playing him because I mean he he can sometimes go on a hot streak offensively, but his he's a defensive first guy. So if he's not doing much defensively, just like Tuesday night, he's only going to play 13 minutes, and the Cavs will hope that. I guess it'd be a Karis Levert. I'm just trying to think. Karis Levert or Jetty, maybe? I'd, man, I'd, going, having to guard Trey Young without Isaac Okoro on the floor is kind of scary, I guess you'd say. But then again, if Isaac Okoro is a, an O for offensively and allowing Kyrie or Trey to be perfect defensively, defensively, there's literally no point to him beyond the court. It's 4 on 5 on offense and... He's not doing anything defensively, which I guess I just repeated myself. But, um, man, I don't even know who you have, guard Trey. You can't really have Darius Garland guard Trey because, yes, it's point guard. on point guard. But if he has to run around with Trey on defense, he's he's going to get very tired offensively, too, and that's going to affect his offensive game. I guess it would be Karras. I don't know. Because Karras isn't that good of a defensive guy. I guess he did. Karras would have like the the length, but Karras also isn't that good of of a defensive guy. He's not a defense first guy. Man, I don't, I honestly don't know. I, or, or maybe you just let Trey go off for his 40 to 45 points and stop everyone else. I guess that's easier said than done, but maybe that's the plan. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And, and Levert's feet are not, uh, incredibly quick. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Do you do like an early Steven sub? If, if a Coro is really not showing you what you want early on, um, maybe do a quick Steven sub, but yeah, it's, I know you and I are both have both been on the bandwagon of a Coro this year. And like, there's so much potential physically he's gifted. Um, and man, when he was shooting it, well, it's like, this guy can do no wrong. He was getting down. So he shooting the ball well, that's one thing. The second thing was he was taking the ball and like going after guys. Like with the ball, he is hunting you, and he's going to go put it up. And I, I, this is probably blending past just tomorrow night's game. But, yeah, I, I just really hope for tomorrow Okoro can find something. Be aggressive. Like, of course, don't take any, you know, don't take any shots. You shouldn't be not in the flow of the offense. But, sh- man, the, the Cavs could sure use an aggressive Isaac Okoro going down, you know, going down court and in transition tomorrow.
0: Conflicted: A History podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
1: Yeah, I if he can get ten, I'll I'll say twelve to fifteen points. I'd keep him on the court just because. But then I don't know because. I'd say, like, make sure you use all your fouls against Trey and just let him know that you're there. But then you don't want Trey Young going to the free throw line either because he's an excellent free throw shooter. So um, be super physical with him. Don't allow him to get an easy basket. I guess if he goes off on making threes, it happens. I mean, he's a really good shooter for a reason, and he has unlimited range. So if he's having one of those nights, it's one of those nights. I just – I hope – no matter how many points Trey on scores tomorrow night, I hope that 90% of them are like those tough, like what are you going to do points? Not just like, wow, that was way too easy. If that makes sense.
2: Very Kyrie, Kyrie Irving esque. like I, you know, the, the Brooklyn game was frustrating um, mainly from what the Cavs are doing perspective, how they fell, fell apart early. They were turning the ball over way too much, but like, the Kyrie Irving was just like tip your hat to him. Like he was a ridiculous shot maker as was KD amongst other guys. Um, but yeah, it's like, if you, if you play good defense, stay on your feet and make him make a tough jump shot, it's like, okay, you know, you live with that and know that, you know, if he, if he did that a hundred times, he's probably not going to make more than, you know, 48 of them, something like that. So kind of tip your cap and yeah, Kyrie Trey, I mean, they're, they're some of the best shot makers in the league. So that that's one piece that I'm always fascinated with that conversation of, do you let the star, do you try to stay one-on-one and let the star kind of get theirs and try to shut down the other guys? Maybe the star gets a little tired or do you blitz the heck out of Trey and make the other guys beat him? I, I kind of like the strategy of both in different instances. And so that'll be something interesting to see uh, The at least in terms of Charlotte and what I saw last night, they were being pretty aggressive. They were trying to make Trey give it up. He did early and, and the Hawks were red hot. The other guys, Herder and Hunter, um, they, they were red hot. And then Trey had a tough game, but it didn't matter because all of his guys were making. So it'll be interesting to see what JB does tomorrow. Um, more so stay one-on-one or blitz the heck out of Trey and see if these other guys make shots.
1: That's true. I I would not be surprised if we saw a lot of teams adjust to the Cavs' offense by blitzing um, Darius Garland. I would not be surprised if the Cavs now do that for Trey and just hope that Herter – I know Hunter struggled in the first half last night. Then he had like 21 points in the third quarter alone. And you just hope that Herter and Hunter and Gallinari, maybe Bogdanovich, maybe not. Hope that not all three of them are not, maybe like one of the three is hot and the other two are just like average. And you just don't allow Trey to get easy baskets. I would not be surprised if they blitz every single pick and roll that Trey Young does smile. Especially if it's Evan Mobley, because you you know how Evan Mobley, how versatile he is. We both know that. Maybe they use Evan Mobley on like uh not like a trap tray on every play kind of thing, but just like get the ball out of Trae Young's hands, and if he gets the ball back, hopefully there's ten seconds or less on a shot clock, and then Atlanta's like off off rhythm, I guess you'd say. I don't, it'll be interesting. JB, like the play we've been saying a lot that the play, the Cavs young players need this experience, this play in slash playoff slash winner go home experience. JB Bickerstaff and this coaching staff need it just as much. So it'll be interesting to see. They've had, they'll have three, basically a full seventy-two hours to prepare for this game. I wonder what they'll do against Trey Young and just like uh, and offensively, because the Cavs have been struggling offensively. We all know that. Besides that Nets game, the Red Wings season finale, but we're not going to count that because that was a Nets JB squad. It'll just be interesting to see how this cast team comes out both as a coaching staff and from the player front.
2: man. What, what we wouldn't give to see some of those nice Jared Allen screens for Darius Garland and like Darius Garland has not been open the past month and a half um, because he hasn't been getting those beautiful screens from Allen. So Man, I, I don't know. I don't know if Allen's gonna put like his left hand behind his back before he does one of those screens and just kind of put his right arm out and do like a little uh <laughs> like a little casted thing here. But uh, the, the possibilities of getting that lob back because it just it, Mobley's an incredible you know jumper and gets plays above the rim. It's not like Allen. Allen and and Garland have that special connection where. You know, it's either Garland's gonna give him a bounce pass if the defender's playing a certain way, or or lob it up if the defender's playing a different way, or Garland will keep it itself. It's just they have incredible chemistry, and so yeah, I, I'm hoping to get a little bit of that.
1: And man, that, that would just make all the difference in the world. That's another thing with Jared Allen. I mean, even if he's at eighty percent as a rim protector and as like a dunker, he can have an injured finger and set screens. I mean, like you just said. Darius Garland hasn't been, out, been able to get downhill and run full speed really with the basketball in his hands just because the Cavs don't have a le- legitimate sc- like screener. I guess Kevin Love is, but 99% of the time the defenses know that he's not going to roll. He's going to go out to the three-point line. So having Jared Allen in there alone just to set screens is huge for this offense. So, yeah, that's a, I know we've been talking a lot about the Hawks, but that's another reason why j- getting Jared Allen back even – he won't be 100%. Let's be honest. He won't be 100%, but even like a 75% Jared Allen for 20 to 25 minutes, that's 20 to 25 minutes of screens and rebounds and rim protecting that the cats haven't had in five and a half weeks.
2: And this is a good, like quick macro perspective too. I, I'm personally really enjoying like the both sides of the coin for tomorrow. It's either one, you play a a playing game, all your guys get that incredible experience and you win and you send Trey young home who like Trey is not one of my like favorite players to watch in the league, just with how he plays and some of the, some of the complaining he does. So sending him home in, in Cleveland would be very special to me um, while I'm there hollering his name. Uh, (laughs) Secondly, if they lose, um, I, I prefer the first scenario. To be clear, if they lose, it's time to start looking at mock drafts, and that's something Josh and I are going to talk a lot about in the off season. But even with a loss, you know the, the young guys are still getting that great experience with tomorrow's game, and you can think about a lottery pick coming back to Cleveland. So I, I'm probably protecting my own feelings here with saying that, but truly, like. I'm not going to be too bummed out about either scenario because there's, there's glass half full aspects about both.
1: Yeah. I think we talked about me. I think we've talked about that the last few weeks. How like, I know I kept and I tweeted about it probably three weeks ago. Now the worst case scenario scenario now was the best case scenario five months ago. The worst case scenario now is the Cavs lose this to lose two games in the play-in. Don't make the playoffs. And get their first round pick back that they traded for Kara vert the protected first rounder. Um, if you had told me back in October that the Cavs would get to the play in and even lose and not make the playoffs, I would have been like, heck yeah, let's do it. So, you, you yeah, the glass half full thing, it would, it would stink because the Cavs were literally predicted to be a top three seed in the NBA playoffs and have like a 98% chance of making the playoffs like Christmas time, probably even January. Probably even as recent as maybe February, before all these freaking injuries happened. But looking at the big picture, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I really, really, really want the Cavs to win tomorrow night, especially since the game's in Cleveland, and especially because we're both gonna go. But if the Cavs lose, they get their first round pick back. If they win, they go to the playoffs. Is there really a? It's a win-win situation, honestly. Because let's be honest, that first round pick that's a top 14 pick if they somehow get really good lottery luck again it might be top 10 maybe top five i'm not gonna count on it because the cats have gotten very good lottery luck the last few years so it happened again very very slim most likely but even that for the 14th pick they can get a solid win, a three and d win that they really 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 really, really need i can't really say really enough because that's literally what this team needs yeah, it's a win-win going into tomorrow night, especially, I don't know. Big big picture, it's a win-win. Short term, it'd be like, man, the Cavs did not even make the playoffs. That's embarrassing. And then you just have to take a step back and realize that if all these injuries didn't happen, the Cavs would literally be a top four seed easily in the East. So it's one of those, it is what it is, things. But yeah, I'm with you. Tomorrow night's a win-win for sure.
2: And there would be, you know, in, in like the doomsday scenario of a loss, like thinking about bringing – healthy guys back next year plus uh, you you know you don't want to ever put too much pressure on a rookie especially one that's not like a top three pick which the Cavaliers likely wouldn't be but just adding to you know what they've done this year with healthy guys back is uh I I know I'd be have a hard time keeping my feet on the ground thinking about the potential of that team and um and one thing just about the draft pick, uh, about a potential draft pick that may convey if they lose, um, that was one th- observation I had for from the Nets game is just you have generational Hall of Fame level shot makers on the Brooklyn Nets, you know, with KD and Kyrie. Um, so obviously, you're not, you're not thinking any rookie or any, any lottery pick like that is going to turn into any of those guys. But there's just a base level of shot making that the Cavs just don't have. And even with Garland, of course, is, is a ridiculously tough shot maker, but outside of Garland, you know, maybe you consider Levert, but he's more of like a dribble drive shot maker. The Cavs don't really have any tough shot makers outside of Garland. And so that's just, that game screamed to me, um, you know, shot maker, whether it's a, whether it's a a shooter, any kind of shot maker would have made the Cavaliers, you know, dynamically more. Uh, dangerous In that Brooklyn Nets game when they were mounting that comeback. But enough about the Nets. It's just that pick stood out to me, and I wrote, I scribbled like on my little notepad, shot making <laughs> it would be so important
1: for this team. Shot maker outside of Darius Garland, please. Please give this man a break, please. So uh, enough about the offseason, enough about the Nets, because let's be honest, the next time the Cats could meet the Nets, I think would be the Eastern Conference Finals. That's most likely Uh, not going to happen. I'll eat my words. If that does happen, I'll gladly eat my words. Uh, But we talked about Trey Young. That's literally, we all know that's the key tomorrow night if the Cavs win. Hopefully either Trey goes off and no one else does or Trey has a very cold night. Um, But offensively, we talked about Darius Garland and being able to get downhill with Jared Allen. I also, and you said out of Jetty, Lowey, Markinen, and uh, Karras, I think two of them need to have like fifteen, plus fifteen or more points. They need two; those three, I think, need to combine for forty. If the Cavs want to win tomorrow night, do you agree?
2: One hundred percent. I don't think there's a world where you hold the Hawks to under 105, 110 points. Cavs are going to have to score tomorrow. It's just what's going to happen with how lethal the Hawks' offense is. Um, although, to your, I, I know we're going to talk about this. They're not quite as good away from Atlanta a, as they are, um, you know, as they are at home. But I 100% agree with you. Cavs are going to have to score the basketball, and you just simply can't have games like. Okoro, Osman, and Lavert did, even Lowry. Uh, all four of those guys, like I said, combined for 27%. And so weirdly, I am I'm I have some confidence in those guys tomorrow because they played so bad. And like Levert's had a little bit of a bounce back to him um, where he started off pretty poorly. He, he sprinkled in a couple of good games lately. Lowry has shown flashes. So yeah, I totally agree. I, I think two of those guys are going to have a good showing tomorrow. Um, and they have to. They have to or they're going home.
1: So on to tomorrow night, home court advantage. It was we knew that it was huge that the cats would get the seven or eight seed in this. Once it was guaranteed that they were going to get a play and not only because they would get two chances to win one game, but also for the home court advantage. Cannot we all know? Cat Cavs home court advantage is going to be. It's going to be a very hostile hostile environment for the Atlanta tomorrow night. We all know that. So if we, especially for Trey, it's been a playoff atmosphere for weeks or even months now. Now it's a Friday night, must-win game. I know we talked about this to start the podcast. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Um, speaking of home court advantage, though, the Hawks or the Cavs have struggled lately. We all know that they're three and seven in their last ten, but they are twenty-five and sixteen at home, nineteen and twenty-two on the road. The Hawks are twenty-seven and fourteen at home. They are. 16 and 25 on the road that is by far the worst road record of the 20 teams that made either the playoffs or the play-in uh in the NBA so the 20 of the 30 teams in the NBA they're not good on the road I mean let's be honest they're just not good um so yeah that paired with the hostile environment I think that favors the Cavs big time from the start hopefully they can take advantage of that hopefully the first quarter isn't like late, but the first quarter is lately where the Hawks get off to like a 10 to 15 to 20 point lead. It's, they'll take the crowd completely out, completely out of it. The best case scenario, I think, tomorrow is that the Cavs lead by like five to 10 points at the end of the first quarter because that crowd is going to be freaking rocking. And I mean, the atmosphere will, will be through the roof. The um, confidence for all, all these young guys on the Cavs will be through the roof. I just – we can't stress the home quarter advantage enough. And if you are listening and you go to the game tomorrow night, please do whatever possible to not have a voice this weekend. Seriously. Because we need – what is it? 20,562? Is that still the number? I think they – no, never mind. They just did the Loudville standing room only, so it's less than that now. But whatever number it is, we need all 20,000, 19,000, whatever it is, to be as loud as possible and make life hell – for the atlanta hawks for two and a half hours to
2: run it yeah very well said and i think the cavaliers should make an initiative like bring down the people in like section 500 or what i know that's the cleveland browns have a section 500 but bring down the people in the upper deck whatever they call it fanville you know the hoity toities will be sitting there after paying like 1500 its ticket no move them up move the blue class people down. Those are the people that we need yelling at the Hawks players. So yeah, it's it's going to be huge. And like thinking about, we haven't had these memories for quite a few years. I, I was lucky enough to go to some of the playoff games in, in um, 16, 17, 18, and just the atmosphere. I, I, it's like a whole new energy with a new team. Like some of those LeBron led teams, they were put together, right? Um, this is a homegrown team. Like who is playing in this game? Evan Moby, Darius Garland, Jared Allen. Of course they traded for him, but we, they've had him for, you know, over a year now. And so, yeah, it just feels very homegrown. feels very exciting The you know, the home court's going to be incredible. Um, and I'm personally going to go check out what the gambling space looks like. I know it's not going to be done yet, but I'm going to be peeking around to see what the status is on that. Just how far along are these
1: guys? (laughs) By the way, I know we talked about this last week. This podcast is not gamble. And if we do, it's all it's all um, how we have to be of age. And I don't know how to say it, but just if you do gamble, I know it's really fun, but just be safe out there, please. And don't be stupid. Have a a limit. I can say. Yeah. Have Have a a limit. limit. Um, Back to the Cavs Hawks. Oh, no. What were you going to say?
2: I, you know, I was going to ask you, do, do you want to tra- – because I think this is a great way to to kind of stay in the game tomorrow. Do you want to transition to talking about individual players and in, in kind of our, our little draft experiment, or do you want to go anywhere else before we hit
1: I'm down to do that draft thing that we were talking about. But, yeah, we can't stress enough. One home court advantage, two Jared Allen, hopefully. If he's back, that's a huge confidence boost, literally from the rip, just because he's back for both the fans and the players. Just I um, don't. I just can't. What time is it now? So less than twenty four hours now till tip off. Let's go. And the, the the rack and Mortgage Field House. I guess is it called the Rock? What did Lamar Stevens call it the, the one time? The he spell check got him on Twitter. I forget what he called it.
2: Yeah, I totally admit, I forget.
1: I forget what he called it now. But I, I just hope. I know I can't stress this enough. I just hope it's one heck of an atmosphere tomorrow night. Seriously.
2: Getting goosebumps already, man it's gonna be special out there um and, and we got kind of a like a sticky like segment here, but thought it'd be a good way for us to get tactical with some of the players and I think for the purposes of you know Josh and I are gonna go through both teams and you know draft just the best players. So I I think this is not a draft for Josh and I to build the best team, but I think it's an interesting way for us to kind of break down who are the most impactful players on the court tomorrow. Uh, And so Josh and I are going to plan to pick both sides. We're going to have six players each. So there's a pool of Cavaliers and Atlanta Hawks players, of course, that are going to play big meaningful minutes tomorrow. It's going to be more than 12 guys, but just in terms of kind of getting a top six each, I think Josh and I are going to kind of rotate, do a snake draft and pick the best six players that we possibly can and see where we, where we wind up. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was I think the Hawks have a very interesting lineup, very interesting personnel. Uh, It's very different from what the Cavaliers have. So I think it'd be interesting if we kind of go through this, um, see what our best six players are. Again, not a team. We're not building like point guard shooting guard small forward power forward center it's just pick your six best players and i think it'll be interesting to to kind of talk through that and, and see what shakes out
1: and they have to be healthy so we cannot uh, although i i guess bogdanovich we will consider him healthy him and allen yeah yeah and yeah and jared allen but we can't pick like colin sexton oh man we can i can literally go on and on about the cast injuries. but we can't pick any guys that are out Yep. Do you That's want right. to go first? Do you want me to? Go? I say you go first. Okay. You All
2: right, perfect. So, yeah, I'll go first, and then you get the next two picks, right?
1: Yeah, you're going to give me Trey. I mean, <laughs> I can already see it, damn it. This,
2: this this pains me to do it, but I I got to pick him. I got to pick Trey. I think he's unfortunately, wow. unfortunately uh, just an incredible playmaker. Um, I like Darius personality-wise and game more, but Trey is just incredibly good. So I will pick Trey as – you know, the number one player on the court tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Let's hope he's not the number one court number one player on the court tomorrow, but yes, he very well can be and is on paper. He likely is I since I get two, I will go. Well, obviously Darius Garland one and then it's either Evan Mobley or Jordan. I'll go Evan Mobley. I'll go the two young guns on the Cavs. Uh Darius Garland, DG and Ja as Kevin Love likes to always use initials.
2: That's exactly the, the ranking I had. So I had Trey first, Garland second, Mobley third. So I think we, you know, we're pretty much in the same ballpark so far. Um now that I have two picks, and I and I think this is where it gets really, really interesting where I, th- I think there's a run for a certain team that I wish wasn't really the case coming up here. But if I have two picks and again, I'm not picking position, I'm just picking like pure best player. Who do I want as like a winning player on my team? I'm going to grab Jared Allen and assume he's like 90% or better to play. I don't know if that's the case, but I'm going to pick Jared Allen. And then there's a lot of players to pick from. I think there's a lot of really good candidates from the Atlanta Hawks to pick from at this point, but in terms of winning player, I love what this guy does defensively and he's a shot maker. So I'm going to go Hunter with the Hawks. He had an incredible third quarter, um, last game. And I think, uh, you know, I think Hunter is probably the sixth best player available. There's a lot of ways you could go, but yeah, I think, I think my third player out of six is going to be Hunter.
1: Yeah, this is tough too, because I mean we're five picks in. From now on, you can literally go any anywhere with these picks. Um so you picked DeAndre and wait, who did you oh Jared Allen and yeah. DeAndre? And I
2: I can run through just since we're halfway through, I'll I'll run through um real quick. So yeah, I, I picked Trey Young, Jared Allen, and DeAndre Hunter. And so far you picked Darius Garland and Evan Mobley.
1: All right. So just so I don't have an all Cavs team, I guess so far, I'll right now, you can literally go with Kevin Herter. I, is it, I think it's Hoarder, Kevin Horder, yeah. Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Danilo, Danilo Gallinari. You can go with any three of those. I'll go with. All good. Yeah, they really are. I'll go with um, Bogdanovich and Herter, Kevin Herter. So I'll go with two hawks. Now I'm two and two.
2: The, in their like Bogdanovich is a better playmaker than Herter, but Herter's stroke is just incredible. Like he can get hot at any time. I hate to say it. That's exactly who I would want on the Cavs. is either of those two guys would be such a good fit, like a little bit more playmaking on Bogdanovich's side, a guy that can just get red hot from behind the line and hurt her. I mean, two great picks. And yeah, I think we're, we're we're talking about the seventh or eighth best guy on the court. And those two guys are really good. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, bring a lot more than, than probably a Cavalier does in that spot um so I've got I've got two picks left so we've got'll I'll do two in a row here and then Josh will finish up with his last pick so I've got some interesting names on the board I think capella is still on the board from the Hawks he's obviously one of the best rebounders in the league uh, he can block shots still uh Hawks are getting a little light now that we've taken four um uh, I, I think what I would do at this point and I'm again I'm not building the team I really have a decision between Lowry Love Levert, Lowry, Love, and Levert are are three guys I could pick, and then Capella I think is is the other guy that I would pick. Um, if I'm if I'm taking best basketball player and who might be most impactful tomorrow, it's tough. It's re- that's a really tough call. I think I'm going to pick. Levert hasn't shown me enough yet this year. I'm going to go with Lowry. I I think Lowry. I don't love to say that, but I think Lowry is my next best pick. And then I'm going to finish it up with Capella. You know what he might be. If Allen is not 90%, I think Capella could have a monster game. So I'm going to finish up with Lowry and Capella. And that stings that I have Trey and Capella um, on my team. I don't like that. And Hunter, by the way.
1: Yeah, jeez, Damn. Are you really a Hawks fan? Closet
2: Hawks uh, fan grew up in Buckhead. Yep, that's me.
1: <laughs> uh so that leaves me with two. I will go with uh, Gallinari. You know, I'm sorry,
2: you have one because you have uh, Garland. No, Mobley. I've done two,
1: two, two. Or no, or, I've done two, two. Yeah, it's two, two, two for me, isn't it?
2: You have Garland, Mobley, Bogdan, and Herder, right?
1: Yeah, I thought we were doing six. Oh, you you're right. I
2: apologize. I apologize. You're right. I am wait.
1: <laughs> no, you're good. I'll go with a Gallinari and Kevin Love. And it's crazy to me that we just picked 12 players and Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert, who will be the starting two, one of them will be the starting two guards tomorrow to not make the top 12.
2: That's telling, isn't it? That's kind of scary.
1: <laughs> That's very scary, especially considering uh, Karis or Isaac will likely be the guy that has to guard Trey, who is the number one pick, and they were not named one of the top 12 players in this game. By us. And,
2: and who the Cavs gave up, you know, n- not very little at the trade deadline. That was a decent trade for the Pacers. Potentially depends what happens with the picks, but yeah, that's I, I, that was a fun like little draft exercise. Um, I guess to me, like what rings out is just the Hawks just have some dudes. And like, you know, if you're picking the the two best players on the court, I'll pick Garland and Mobley over any two of the Hawks. But once you get into like top three, top four. Even top five, I I'm really starting to pull towards the Hawks because they just got they got three or four guys that can just score the basketball. Where I I just don't have that confidence in some of the Cavs players right now.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, they you said they have a lot of dudes. Hopefully tomorrow night, they're dudes that are ice cold. But just one game. That's what makes. I mean, we all we all know how awesome March Madness is, but like this one game playoff is the same. It's like the NBA version of March Madness just because it's one game. If you're cold, you could be literally the Phoenix Suns and go up against a team that's under 500. And if the Phoenix Suns are cold, who are the, by far, it, for those of you wondering, they're by far the best team in the NBA record-wise. They're, they had like a seven and a half game lead over the best record. Um, but if they're ice cold, they can lose to anyone. So... Li- not only like obviously it helps if you had better players tomorrow night in this one game playoff between the Hawks and Cavs, but having that hot hand or cold non or non hot hand is just as important. And that's why I think I mean I can't stress this enough how important it is to have that home court advantage in Cleveland tomorrow night.
2: Hello. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, w- JB had a few comments after the Brooklyn game where we got punched. His exact words were, you know, we got punched in the face and it took us a minute to respond. I have no concern how the Cavaliers are going to come out and respond tomorrow night because the atmosphere is going to be insane and because it's very evident that they came out sluggish against Brooklyn. I don't think they're going to make that same mistake twice. So I think you hit it dead on. Like the My confidence in JB getting the guys up based on especially what they just went through where it's so evident what went wrong, I, I think they're going to come out guns a-blazing. This game just screams to me like, Lamar Stevens. I don't know how many minutes he's gonna play. I don't know if he's even gonna attempt a shot, but like just an insane atmosphere. The crowd's gonna be going crazy. I can just see a like a Lamar Stevens put back dunk or something crazy. That's just that's just gonna have the crowd go uh insane.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar every NBA player has six fouls to give. I wouldn't be surprised if a Lamar Stevens like guy plays five minutes and has five tough fouls on Trey, just to, let him, <laughs> yeah. just to let him know that you're there. I mean, that that will not only get the crowd wound up, but just, just. I mean, nothing cheap. I'm not saying the cheap foul, but just let Trey know that you're there and give him nothing easy. Because let's be honest, if Lamar and Isaac Okoro combine to play like 25 minutes tomorrow night, that's 12 fouls in 25 minutes that they have to give.
2: Yep. You got to do it. It's, it's do it, or you're going to regret all summer. What you didn't do tomorrow. I I hope that's, I mean, JB, if there's, if there's like two aspects of JB, I think one is cultural and getting through to the guys. And the second is X's and O's. I have no questions or concerns about culturally and him getting through to the guys. And I I, I'm assuming that's going to be part of his conversation with the guys tomorrow is like, like, guys, don't hold anything back. This is it. Like if we lose tomorrow, there's no practice to, you know, the next day it's, it's win or go home. Like you said, and, and man, I'd, I'd love to be a fly in the wall in that locker room. Cause I, I hope they're, you know, the guys are young. Like that's something you get with young teams too. It's, it's like some of these guys are 19, 20 years old. Like it's like grandpa Kev and his grandkids tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Like the young kids are just excited to be there. Like, they're going to be like, is this how it is? Is this how the playoffs are? And like, Kevin's going to be like, yeah, he's going to be chilling and the young guys are going to be like so eked out it's oh man i'm 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 ready man now we're now we're at 23 hours
1: <laughs> that's why i think the first quarter i mean this is cliche kind of the first quarter tomorrow night is so big because you know that the adrenaline's gonna be going for the calves just because the atmosphere i mean their adrenaline's gonna be pumping from the start just the atmosphere for one and just a winner go home game at home so that's why this first quarter is so important because if they can just, like, fight through that adrenaline and just, like, keep the energy going for the first 12 minutes, that's huge. And then if they go down 10, 15, 5, 10, 15 points, that will not only quiet down the crowd, but that will just be, like, a huge, like, oh, no, here we go again sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I just hope my perfect scenario tomorrow night is the Cavs start off hot. And have like a ten point lead after the first first quarter, first quarter intermission, going to the second quarter, ten point lead, because the crowd will literally be so loud, and that will only give more and more confidence to the team. I just can't stress that. that home court advantage, the Cavs need to take advantage of it, and the easiest way to not take advantage of it is getting down early, which is what they've been doing a lot lately. And then they work their way back, but it's just not enough because they dug themselves in way too big of a hole.
2: Yeah, and you like you said earlier, if you're going to the game tomorrow, if they do get into a hole, I mean, the, the one thing this team has done, even while they're struggling is they come back. Like they're, they're not going to lay down. So keep going, you, you know, keep going. If you're a fan in the arena You know, don't make like the scoreboard tell you to do something. Like, just
1: get after it.
2: It's your last game of the season too. I know that's super corny, but just go all out for it, man. Don't have a voice to your point. Don't worry.
1: That's not only corny, but the scoreboard things are kind of corny too. Like when the opposing team shoots a free throw, you put up like the. Steelers logo i mean seriously <laughs> you really need a Steelers logo to tell you what to do when the opponent's shoot free throws
2: right speaking of i did see that one uh greg Newsom is going to be at the game tomorrow so i'm sure he'll get a nice eruption from the crowd i'll be curious if any other browns players are there too so that's just something else that the fans do you will be think talking that about. miles
1: I, if, if miles is in town you'd think that he'd be there i don't know yeah yeah like i'd be like a must if he's in town
2: yeah, I saw Jay Z's been at courtside the past few games, so that's like our version of Jay Z in Cleveland is Miles Garrett and <laughs> Greg Newsome being at the game. Never
1: it, did I ever think that Miles Garrett and Jay Z would be compared, but here we are.
2: <laughs> here we are. So this might be a good transition. I mean, we you talked about the first quarter already. Are are you ready to to give a prediction? What you think is going to happen tomorrow? I don't. We we don't really do predictions. So maybe oh, I just man. put you on the spot, but is this okay? Can we do predictions on the show? But the
1: problem is that I don't want to jinx it though. I'm a, I'm
2: fair, very superstitious.
1: Fair. So, and I think that kind of tells you my answer too, saying that I don't want to jinx it.
2: I I can read the tea leaves and I, we won't speak of it more in hopes that it doesn't jinx it.
1: <laughs> but oh, speaking, I meant to say this, um, when we were talking about Trey on before. And f- so th- the Cavs are 1-3 and against the Hawks this season. Throw that record out the door. That literally doesn't mean anything. The Cavs weren't at 100% in any of the games. Actually, I quizzed uh, Seth to this podcast. The, the, the Cavs' only win against the Hawks this season was the, the third game of the season, and it was the Cavs' first win of the season, actually. The starting backcourt was Callum Sexton and Ricky Rubio. Calen Sexton, it literally seems like it's been years since he has suited up in the wine and Gold. Ricky Rubio, we all know what happened there because the Cats have not been themselves—that is for sure—since he uh, tore his ACL. But just that's why those I the season record somewhat makes sense because it gives you like an idea of how the teams fare against each other. But just through the injuries, it's on both teams now. It's just like just because the Cats are one and three against the Hawks this year doesn't mean that the Hawks are way better. It just is what it is. But speaking of the those uh four games, Treyon in those four games has averaged thirty-two point five points, nine assists, and nine assists a game while shooting forty-six percent from the field and forty-one percent from three. That cannot happen tomorrow night. Thirty-two points can happen, but it cannot be on an on an efficient 41 percent shooting night. That if that happens. You can likely say that the cap season will be
2: over. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking we may see a healthy dose of that zone where Mobley plays up top, and the other four guys almost have like a box around the paint. They did it a little bit, little bit against Brooklyn, but I think like Trey, Trey is like the perfect matchup for that. As long as Mobley's comfortable and and he's not getting, you know, he's not getting kind of screen too bad up there. I would love to see that little, like, I don't know, call it like box and one. I'm not the best like X's and O's guys, but, um, I would, I would love to see a little bit of that. The Cavs did have some success with that earlier on the season. I know even though they're one and three, we we're, we we're playing Kevin Pangos in, in some of those games. So yeah, like you said, throw those out the window. Um, but yeah, it's, you don't really stop Trey. It's just like, it's just like Kyrie and KD. you don't stop them. You, you try to make them make tough shots and
1: that's, you know, that's going to be the game plan. That uh, isn't the same like you can't stop him, you only hope to contain him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to I don't even want to contain him. Just like you said, just make things very tough for him all night. And if he goes, if he makes a shot, I know the other night Evan Mobley was playing perfect defense. I think it was on Kyrie, and there someone took a screenshot of the picture, and like Kevin or is shooting hand was like this, and this was Evan Mobley's defensive hand, and it was a swish. Just if he makes those shots. It is what it is. Treyon's a great basketball player, but I just don't want anything to be easy, especially free throws tomorrow night. And yeah, if he goes off for forty, I hope it's fifteen made shots and twelve of them were how the heck did he do that kind of shots? I just don't give up anything easy. That's what I'm hoping for. If that if that makes sense.
2: And let's let's guarantee each other, especially Josh, if you make it to the game. If Trey Young shoots more than 12 free throws, you and I are both going to super glue ourselves to the court. Did you happen to see that at the game the other night? By the
1: (laughs) way, I I didn't see it during the game, but I was scrolling through Twitter. How stupid can you be to think that you would have enough time to sit on the court and the glue to dry like is don't some you realize glue? how long it takes for glue to dry? It would take at least like two, three minutes at the very, very least. And there's no way NBA security is going to allow you to sit there for two to three minutes. I, I mean, I guess she got what that lady got what she wanted because it was all over social media. But like, glue takes forever to dry. So why would you choose glue?
2: Needed like cement or something. But yeah, if if Trey Young shoots over twelve free throws, Josh and I will. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do. That.
1: I'll run out of the court and tackle him. And <laughs> yeah, <free throw. laughs>
2: there we go.
1: <laughs> and then during the last two minute report jb bickerstaff will complain about being right and then get fined for what the last two minute report proved that's that is literally the worst case scenario by the way is the last the Cavs lose and it's referees being bad which has happened plenty of times this season jb bickerstaff complains about the referees being bad even though he's right and then the last two minute report comes out Saturday morning and says that JB Bickerstaff was right, but he still gets fined. That is the absolute worst case scenario. Is if the referees decide the game tomorrow night,
2: and we've like the only reason we're bringing that up is because we've seen it multiple times this year. We've been burned before. We're Cleveland fans. Like that's where our heads go. I'm right there with you. Let's. That would be the worst case. If if the Cavs do a no show and they get beat by 30, okay there's a lot of things to talk about in the off season, a lot of things to fix. If it comes down to the refs and another stupid report that doesn't go the Cavs way, that would be the worst way to end the season.
1: Yes. I, I'm I'm not fine with the Cavs losing tomorrow. I'm, but I am fine with them losing. If it's the right way, if that makes sense, like if the Hawks deserve to win, if the Cavs deserve to win and they lose because the referees, I will be. Oh man, I it's Cleveland, so maybe it will. It will likely happen, but I just hope the. Like I said, I just hope the. I just hope tomorrow's game doesn't come down to a referee's whistle or non-whistle, which, it, like you said, it's happened a lot. It happened like a week or two ago with that last two-minute report. Just let the boys play and don't. I I'd, I wouldn't. I don't want to say don't blow your whistle all the time because sometimes it needs to be. But just like, I hope the referees have a good game tomorrow night. And there's nothing to say, like, I would – and there's no what ifs. Like, what if the referees would have been better where the Cavs have won? Put it that way.
2: I like that. Maybe maybe we applaud the refs when they do – like, you know, they have the little numbers on their backs. Maybe instead of cheering for the Cavs, like, if there's a if there's a fair, good whistle. Either way, I think we applaud them either way. If it's against the Cavs, if it's against the Hawks, if it's a good call, we applaud ref number 42, clap it Standard up. Standard ovation.
1: Yeah. 42 claps.
2: Good job, very good job, and maybe, maybe that fruition. If we're really smart sports fans, which I think we are in Cleveland, let's applaud those referees. They're going to come for us and be on our side. That'll never happen.
1: No. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I mean, there's not really much else to talk about. I just hope that the referees don't decide the game tomorrow. That's. I I have more final thoughts, but that's that's my biggest takeaway going into tomorrow night. Let the let the players decide the game on the court. Don't let the referees whistle decide it.
2: Mm. Oh, let let me hit you with this really quick. What would be your what would be your your biggest indication of a Cavalier win tomorrow? What like one thing has to happen that's going to make you feel confident that the Cavs will win?
1: Darius Garland has to be on his game. If he struggles. I mean, if Darius struggles, they're gonna need Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, and three of Jetty. No, okay, so they'll need Evan Mobley, and then three of Jetty, Kevin Love, Karis Levert. I'm, oh, I'm missing one. Oh, and uh, Lowry, Lowry, and yeah. Lowry. They'll need four of those five guys to play superb. Because I mean, we saw the other night. I guess we could have talked about this too. Um, you could tell the other night in Brooklyn, yes, it's against Brooklyn, who is one of the favorites to win it all this year. We all know that. But you could tell that like the stage was big for a lot of the Cavs. Besides Kevin Love, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, a lot of the Cavs guys seemed wide-eyed. And I mean that's somewhat expected. It was the first playoff game for a lot of these young youngsters, but just Hopefully, since it's at home, they won't be in with the one game under the belt like that. They won't be so wide-eyed where the stage is too big for him. But yeah, I mean, I guess to answer your question again, Darius Garland has to be on his A-game. If he's not putting up points, he has to be dishing out 15 assists.
2: Yeah, yeah it's not even close. Yeah, I think you hit it. It's it's DG because this, this team, we've said it week in and week out, this team goes how DG goes offensively. Um, defensively, whatever you have to score. It's the NBA. You got to score enough points to win. I mean, <laughs> they're not going to win ninety-two to eighty-nine. They they got to score. So yeah, Garland's got to have a good game. And uh, if they force the ball out of Garland's hands, he can still have a good game by racking up that assist total. So yeah, hundred percent agree with you. It's DG has got to play just like he did in Brooklyn. He played incredible. I mean, he had six turnovers, too many turnovers, too many hot passes. But he played incredible in Brooklyn, and he's got to do it again.
1: Yeah, simple as that. And I mean, he had six turnovers probably because he was trying to force things with that 20-point depth. They're down 40 or 20 after the first quarter. Yep. And I know he had had like 30 – I forget how many points he had, but he had a lot of shots too, but I'm fine with that. Obviously, more efficient, more points would be better. But Darius Garland, I'd say – As a betting guy, I know, like, points and assists are usually, like, or it's points, rebounds, assists. I'd say Darius Garland's points and assists have to be 38-plus for the Cavs to win tomorrow. So, like, 27 points, 11 assists would obviously be, like, right on the dot. Yeah. You know
2: what's, like, pretty awesome about that projection is, like, that – That's somewhat of like a tame game for him, you know, like that's not, that doesn't feel like, Oh, he has to play. Yeah. He has to play really well, but I would not be shocked at all if if he went for 32 and 12 tomorrow, like that, that would be a really good game from him. So that's just like a special moment to reflect on like, Oh, like that's a very realistic stat line
1: you just put up and that's so awesome that that's his realistic stat line. <laughs> and we will talk about DG's leap and that's st- stats like that that just like they seem like they happen on the daily or every game for him now. Um during the off season. Hope hopefully that's a few weeks out. Maybe. Maybe it could be Saturday. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, just like that's why I, I don't want to talk about the off season yet. But that's why this off is going to be so fun too, because the ex- the expectations are going to be real. We already know what we have in Darius Garland. He made a huge leap. Evan Mobley. I mean, with one off season under his belt, getting stronger, the chemistry that the Cavs big three. And I'm I, that's why this. I mean, I'm not already looking ahead to of the off season, but this off is going to be so damn fun too.
2: Yeah, Bob, we're going to have loaded shows this summer, man, with all the possibilities. There, there's so many different lineup possibilities, player possibilities. It, it's going to be great. Um, it, it, I, that's all I have. I mean, I, I think I'm already daydreaming about tomorrow. I, I don't have much else other than just win, baby. Al Davis. <laughs>
1: I'll do uh who did the can't wait? Was that Kurt Cousins?
2: Oh, uh, Bart Scott, right?
1: Bart Scott. Wait, what did Kurt Cousins do? during the press conference he you was like that you oh like- yeah you like that yes but yeah Bart Scott can't wait because I literally can't wait for tomorrow night and then by the way if the Cavs win tomorrow night they're in the playoffs I'm pretty sure they play they play Sunday either at 1 or 3 30 in Miami so it's like a very very quick turnaround there's no time to celebrate just making the playoffs um yeah hopefully hopefully they're playing Sunday in Miami I'll gladly take that
2: Well, if if they play Sunday in Miami, Josh and I will will try to hop on a little Saturday action, do a quick turnaround, and and, and preview that hell of a series. Uh, I'm looking forward to a potential Saturday pod with you.
1: True that. True that. All right, so you said no final thoughts for you. How about let's – no predictions, but will we be doing a Saturday pod?
2: We will be doing a Saturday pod. Yes, we will. And we're going to talk about how Bam is in COVID and may not be able to play early on in that series. We will be talking on Saturday.
1: All right, I don't have any final thoughts either, but I'll leave you with this. We'll see you guys Saturday night,
0: as cat. always.
1: <laughs> no, actually, that's a bad way to end it because I I have to do the, I have to thank everyone too. So if you're tuned on, into us live, uh, we appreciate you always. Whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, if you are watching or if you listen to us on wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, there's seems like there's hundreds of uh, apps to listen to podcasts. Now we appreciate you always. Um, I guess we'll see you Saturday night or we'll talk to you. Saturday, we'll see you and talk to you Saturday night. If you're going to the game tomorrow night, have a blast. Please lose your voice and hopefully you're celebrating a win. And as always go Cavs,
0: let's go refs
1: coming up on five minute news. I'm Anthony Davis.